everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and, of course, that means it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, we have to welcome back, we haven't seen for a long time, Millie Ross. Good morning, Millie. Morning, Pam. Morning, everyone. Spectacular morning. I felt, I felt quite a bit of jealousy as I saw the um, hot air balloons flying over the sunrise this morning. It's going to be a perfect day, I think. It is. It's going to be wonderful. Yep. And it's been a very great autumnal, yes. <laughs> very autumnal already. I mean, <laughs> the cool mornings, you know, things are things are happening. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, hopefully we're going to have a nice, long, warmish summer, autumn period. But I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, at least it's not completely black when we arrive in here yet. No, it no, it is. Well, it's dark, isn't it? It's amazing how quickly the days shorten, I suppose, and how shocking that is because you sort of forget it's going to happen every year, and then suddenly you're like, oh gosh, it's um, you know, it's 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 nearly pitch black when I woke up this morning. So yes, look, it is. I mean, we talk about the weather all the time, and I love it. And um, I'm making eye contact with one of the other studio guests this morning. We were looking at a, a, a I saw each other this week and looking at a, an artwork that I bought in London actually, okay. which is um, it's kind of this really vibrant, uh, unusual print of all of these suns and different colours. You know, there's some hot pink, there's some fluoro ones, there's some green ones, and then there's three little rain clouds printed into this. You know, they're the really um, basic sort of weather symbols. And I, I just love this print. As soon as I saw it, you know, as a gardener, we live our days under the under the sky, really, and we live our days by the whims of, of the weather. And, um, you know, I can't stop talking about it. I know people make small talk about it, but I think when you're a gardener, it's not small talk. It's serious. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Ah, that leads me into saying a very good morning to Simon Rickard. Morning, Simon. Good morning, Pam. Morning, listeners. And uh, you've been very busy playing music. I have. I um, uh, did a concert last night at Cloud Hill up in Dandenongs, up in Alinda. Glorious setting. Oh, yeah, the herbaceous border is looking magnificent up there. The whole garden's perfect. And, um, yeah, so we did a concert of Scottish Baroque music last night on the big lawn surrounded by the hedges. There's a sort of an amphitheatre there as the sun went down over the treetops, over the big beech trees, and... uh, we played beautiful 18th century Scottish uh, music, so yeah, now, it was good. We're, we've all been guessing in here for the last two weeks as to what Scottish vegetables <laughs> ah, well, that me- you were going to be... Uh, ah, yes. Well, th- we played some pieces by a co- composer called James Oswald from the right. 1730s, and they all had the names of flowers. And uh, one of them, one of those flowers was one I can see over there in Millie's basket, the amaranthus. Okay. So we played a piece called the amaranthus, the candy tuft, the hawkweed, the Sneezewort, the nightshade. Oh, we could think of was thistles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, what about neeps and taties? Yes. Yeah, well, we were thinking that was more Irish, but... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but Millie's right. There's, there's been a real gear shift in the seasons now. You know, about a month after Australia Day, you feel the, the dewy mornings. Uh, I've already had a frost up in the Central Highlands where I live. Okay. It's already been 0.7 one morning and 1.4 another one. Ooh, yeah. Yes. And that, was, that came one week after the longest run of hot days we've ever had. Right. So on average, where I live, gets only four days a year over 30 degrees Celsius because I'm quite high up. Yep. This year we had a whole week of 30 just consecutively, over 30. Goodness. So, and then followed by a frost. So, you know, 
It's, and the poor old plants uh, don't know what to do. No, no, that's right. They don't know whether to go dormant or whether to, to have heat stress. That's right. <laughs> but at this time of year up, up our way, up Millie's and my way, um, all the gum trees are shedding their bark too. So you get these two or three metre long strips of bark coming down out of the big um, gum trees, the candle barks and the, the mountain ashes, and they slap on your roof. You can hear them at night slapping on the roof, which is fine unless they're on fire like they were in 2009. So <laughs> I consider this to be a good year. Okay, yeah. <laughs> fair enough, and I can see why. <laughs> Okay, now we also have to uh, welcome two special guests into the studio this morning. Peter Barker, good to see you back, Peter. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, listeners. Thanks and for having us. your brother Colin's come along as well. Yes, good morning, Pam. Hi, and Colin. And listeners. Yep, yep. Now, Peter, of course, you're CEO of New Tech Poly, and we're going to be talking a lot about, um, well, a new innovation that's, that's uh, come up. Yes, we've been working on a, um, a new method of plastic recycling um, for a number of years now, a, a, an Australian invention, and we're getting close to bringing it to market. So um, we've got a, a campaign that we'll, we'd love to let the listeners know about. Absolutely. Yep. Terrific. Okay. Well, uh, first things first, and I must get to a few community announcements because, of course, everything's now starting up again for the year. So uh, we're into busy times again, which is great. Um, now, first up, I have to remind listeners that the... Uh, there is uh, the show on today for um, the Dahlia Show. Uh, sorry, the, the Dahlia Show is on today, but also the Melbourne Begonia Society is the one I'm referring to. Uh, now, this is taking place down at uh, Moorabbin Senior Citizens Hall, which is at 964 Nepean Highway there in Moorabbin. Now, it's running from 10 o'clock this morning through till 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, there'll be uh, all sorts of displays and sales of begonias. Many of those begonias you can't um, get anywhere else. They're not sold in your normal nursery outlets. So uh, that's happening today, as I say, 10 o'clock through till 3 o'clock. Now, also uh, coming up, uh, starting uh, 28th, so in two days' time, and running through till the 5th of March, down at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens, they have their annual Australian textile exhibition happening. Now, this takes place in the Australian Garden Visitor Centre there at Cranbourne. It, it's free entry for that. Um, you'll be able to purchase a wide range of patterns, kits, products, um, all from Chandler's Cottage, plus items made by members of the Friends of uh, Royal Botanic Gardens Cranbourne Botanical Fabricators Group. Now, the exhibition... Um, is uh, obviously designed using uh, wonderful fabrics that have been designed by Lisa Chandler of Chandler's Cottage. Uh, she's also, again, donated a quilt, um, which will be raffled off at the end of the exhibition. And uh, all proceeds, of course, will go to supporting the gardens down there at Cranbourne. So uh, do go along. As I say, it's running through until the 5th of March. 10 o'clock through till 4 o'clock each day, free entry, and that's down in the visitor's centre there at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. Now, also this week, the Australian Plant Society Keelor Plains Group is going to be meeting next Friday, March the 3rd, 8 o'clock. It's at uh, 54 Ranley Road in Maribyrnong. That's a different um, address for that group, so do take note of that. 54 Ranley Road in Maribyrnong. 
And uh, on Friday, Trevor Blake is going to give an illustrated talk on his recent botany trip to the Tanami Desert, so that should be great. If you'd like more information, you can contact Anne. Her number is 9336 That's 9336 Now, also starting up for uh, the year is uh, Pepper Tree Place uh, Food Swap uh, Meat. Now, this is coming up next Saturday, 11 o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock, sorry, through till 2 o'clock. It takes place at uh, 512 Sydney Road in Coburg, which is on the corner there of Sydney Road and Bell Street. Now, there's going to be um, uh, also a food web nature play for children running 11 till 11.40. And this is being run by Isabel Harper, who's a passionate environmental educator. She works with Food Web Education and teaches permaculture design at Ceres. Now, she'll be hosting an expedition for children in the wilds of Pepper Tree Place. I'm not sure how wild it is, but anyway. It's suitable for ages 4 to 10. Now, there is a charge for that nature play. It's $8 uh, full price, $5 concession, and numbers will be limited. So if you'd like to book your children in for that one... Uh, you can send a text <clears throat> uh, 0421402512. That's 0421402512. But, of course, I will have their swap table there. Uh, if you've got uh, any leftover garden harvest tips, questions, the plant nursery will be open again. And, of course, the pop-up cafe will be open as well. So that's next Saturday, 10 o'clock through till 2 o'clock at 512 Sydney Road in Coburg. Now, uh, next uh, weekend, of course, uh, being the first Sunday in the month, Villa Alba will be open to uh, the public uh, in the afternoon. It's always open on the Sunday. I'll mention this again next week. Uh, 1 o'clock through till 4 o'clock. That's at 44 Walmer Street in Kew. Uh, and that's the uh, RJ... Uh, Hamer Heritage Garden, plus the historic house there at Villa Alba. But coming up uh, this coming Saturday, they've got a concert in the garden. Now, it's a concert of harp and strings uh, at uh, Villa Alba. Uh, It's running from 7 through till 9 p.m. And it's a group uh, comprising of two people, Kath Connolly and Greg Hunt, and they comprise Luminality. It's a Melbourne-based instrumental duo, um, they've had decade-long collaborations showcasing the best of Antipodean Celtic music. It sounds right up your Yeah, sleeve. sounds great. Yep, terrific. So Kath's on Celtic harp, harp and Greg on violin, mandolin and mandola. Um, so that will be great fun. Now, admission for that is $30. Children are free. Uh, or you can send a cheque to Villa Alba at P.O. Box 436 in Q. So if you'd like more inquiries about that, you can uh, phone Sue and her number there is 98826292. That's 98826292. Now also uh, coming up next weekend, uh, Open Gardens Victoria have got their next garden opening and uh, this is the garden of our good friend Karen Sutherland. Uh, now this is her personal home, Ganya, 
It's at 22 Lochinvar Street in Pascoe Vale South. Um, it's a wonderful urban food garden, lots and lots of edibles. Um, she's got more than 200 edible and useful plants uh, displayed in an ornamental setting there. Uh, herbs, vegetables, vines, citrus, fruit and nut trees. She's got some South American edible species and some Australian bush foods. So, uh, And, of course, the garden also has uh, aquaponics, rooftop uh, garden, bees, chickens and an interesting nature strip planting. Now, she's going to be giving talks um, at 2.30. Well, the first one will be 11 till 12 and then a second one at 2.30 till 3.30. That's on both days, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the talks will be on native herbs, bush foods and perennial vegetables and she'll also conduct regular guided tours of the garden. Now there'll also be extensive sales of rare edible plants, sales of her honey and other gardening items and the local community garden is having a stall of food and drinks made with garden produce. So all of that is happening next Saturday and Sunday. Now once again our good friends at Open Gardens Victoria have given us one free double pass to give away for someone who'd like to go and see Karen's garden. So uh, the first person to phone in on 94190155, um, you can have that free double pass. Please, if you've uh, received one of these double passes recently, do give someone else a chance to uh, get hold of that uh, double pass. But the number is 94190155. Now, uh, just one more I should quickly mention, and if we have time, I'll come back to a few more a little bit later. But this is also taking place next weekend, and uh, this is the Festival of Flowers taking place up at Cloud Hill, where Simon was last night. Uh, so they're having a, a full festival happening there. Um, you can have uh, free garden tours. You can meet the growers from not only the Diggers Nursery but also from Antique Perennials, Yamina Collector's Nursery, Nishiki Nursery and learn how to make your own stunning flower arrangements uh, with demonstrations by uh, florist Lindy Wong. Now, as I said, it's next weekend, both Saturday and Sunday, 4th and 5th of March, 9am through to 5pm, uh, it's at Cloud Hill Gardens. The address there is 89 Alinda Monbulk Road in Alinda. Now, um, Diggers Club members and under-16s are free. Visitors, $10. Or you can join the Diggers Club at the festival and have your entry refunded. So you can't get better than that. There'll be local food there as well. And there'll be lots of free uh, activities for children as well, so uh, that's on the Sunday only, the children's activities. Um, but yeah, plenty happening up at Cloud Hill next weekend. Uh, I'll get back to a few more when we have time, but they're a little bit further off uh, in the calendar, so uh, uh, we'll see how we go. All right, getting back to you, Peter. Now, um, our listeners might remember you were on here last year talking about Ewood and the fabulous. Uh, Fabulous, fabulous uh, product that you make out of recycling e uh, well e waste. That's correct. Um, yes, from all sorts of things like computer plastics and even from car components. Yes. Um, and and it makes just the most wonderful, beautifully uh, uh, 
you know, environmentally friendly um, uh, sleepers for the garden, uh, furniture for the garden, um, all of that. But you've you're just saying that uh, you've discovered a new treatment way for for plastic waste that, like, washes down um, up on our beaches. Well, that's right. It's it's. Um well, thank you for the praise on eWood. We're, we're very happy with it as a as a product. Um, uh, that's primarily for a gardening product, and you know, I guess that's why we spoke. I came and spoke about that's it. That's right. Um, the new technology we're looking at focusing on a different waste stream, um, not so much the e-waste that we that's currently uh, generated, but it's more uh, contaminated, soft and rigid plastic um, that really there's there's no great use for at the moment. Um, it's problematic to uh, to recycle, but we've got a. It can, it can be recycled, but it's it's not uh, it's not the most efficient. So, mm. is Peter, is plastic plastic ain't plastic, is it? There's a lot of different types that we use for all sorts of different uses. Mm-hmm. You know, as consumers, can we be making choices when we grab? You know, when we get things in plastic, that means it's going to be a more useful recyclable product. Well, a, a great question. We're advocates for. Uh, reducing the use of plastic in the um, in, in our daily lives, we we use far too much of it. Um, most plastic is, is uh, of the or the plastic that we we see, feel, and touch is is made from virgin material. So um, it's it's more and more plastic being produced. Mm. So ideally, um, we subscribe to the fact of if you can avoid using plastic, um, you should. Yep. Um, if you can reuse plastic, um, a plastic bottle bag, whatever, you should. Um, but the problem is that we have is that you know, plastic has been around for um, for quite some time now. It's a, it was the miracle invention. Um, but a, a, an interesting t- statistic is that um, plastic that has been produced many, many years ago or ever since its inception is still somewhere on the world. It, ha- it doesn't break mm. down and um, it breaks up. Uh, yes. The opposite. So uh, all of the... Um, Molecules of plastic that have been or that were in plastic are still there. Um, they're just in different forms. Mm. So in fish, in fish, well, <laughs> it's all over the place. I yeah. think for the listeners, the best way to describe it is uh, is if you picture a, a, a tarpaulin, you buy it brand new at the mm. at the hardware store, and you, you you put it on your trailer or whatever. But in time, you can see it it break up. Mm. Um, it degenerates but it break, just breaks up into smaller particles. Mm. And that's what's happening worldwide. It, uh, the, the, it doesn't go away. It's just there in, a, in smaller pieces. So when uh, plastic gets into our oceans, mm. um, it has a, a dramatic effect on, on, on the wildlife, but also you know, just the health of the ocean, and, and we're, we're clogging up the ocean with plastic. We see... Um, just a small reminder of that every day when you see plastic washed up on the beach, um, but that's literally a drop in the ocean to what mm. to what is there. Um, not many people, or people may not have heard of the um, Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Um, it's a worldwide authority on uh, environmental issues, so basically a worldwide worldwide version of our, our planet Ark. Um, so very reputable. They estimate that there, uh, at the start of 2016, there was 150 million tonnes of waste plastic in our oceans. Goodness. Mm. And if we don't make changes to what we do, um, by 2050, 
the the weight of plastic or the mass of plastic in the ocean will will out outweigh the marine life. Mm. It's ridiculous, so isn't it? It's I try uh, to. There's some shocking statistics, and it yeah. is shocking. Like where you see, I, I had to go to a supermarket, which is like you know dragging me, kicking and screaming. But there's two things I have to go every now and then, and I, I walked the fresh food last night, and and I I bought three mushrooms for pizza, and the mushroom options you've got all of them. There's there's maybe five or six pre-sliced in a plastic box, then wrapped in a plastic bag, and I did think to myself, what have we come to? You know, mm. if you can't slice, if you don't have the 90 seconds it might take to slice three mushrooms. Mm. And, you know, I'm sh- I, c- I couldn't believe it. But, you know, in addition to the plastic bag it's wrapped in, it's actually in a little plastic bowl as well. And you just think, how, how, can, we, how can we understand that this is the problem uh, in, in one half of, of our brain, yet, you know, that we're, we're basically prescribing to a system that feeds it to us in the other? It's uh, very correct. Um, a sad fact is... Uh, there are there's some fantastic recycling programs um, uh, that have been around for a little while, and and they they get the best of the uh, best quality plastics that are available for recycling. For example, um, in our um, domestic waste collection, we we put out certain types of plastic that can be recycled. You know, PET bottles, milk mm. bottles, etc. Now, the best use of those resources is to be recycled into exactly what they they were, like a PET bottle. The best value is to be recycled into a PET bottle. Um, But there's a lot of plastic that, uh, just on the domestic level, that that doesn't get collected and it goes into general waste. Mm. Um, Now, it's that type of plastic that we're focusing on, Mm. um, not only on the domestic side of it, but but those sort of films um, in agricultural waste. Um, so and also soft industrial. plastics like wrapping, those sorts exactly. of things. Soft, yep. flexible, anything you can scrunch in your hands yep. um, is quite problematic to, to recycle. Yep. But current technology, um, you need to sort it, um, wash it, mm-hmm. shred it, dry it, and then it gets melted down and made into small pellets like a, like a, a little uh, rice grain. Mm. That then becomes <laughs> the raw material for... Um, for plastic manufacture. Mm. So all of those processes, it takes about uh, well, a lot of energy to do and then you have to melt the plastic again when you actually yes, make something yes, out yes. of it. So the cost of that um, is around about $600 a tonne to, to do. So it's actually cheaper for plastic manufacturers to just use virgin polymer. Mm. Yes. So the, the economics aren't there. The, the technology, you can do it. Um, there are some people that are doing it and doing a good job, but it's it's not you know, mainstream and technology. Am I right to believe that a lot of that happens overseas? Like we literally box up, we might strap a big pallet of our plastic waste and send it to China and then buy that raw product back? I'll just pass you over to Colin to an- answer that one there. You can it, stick the mic sort of in the middle. You've just yeah, both got, a, to, got to crane your necks and try and go straight on. That's, <laughs> that, that's fine. But um, Colin is, the, uh, is our technical uh, director at uh, New Tech Poly, our company, and uh, he's he's well versed in in a lot of those uh, those matters. So I'll pass yeah. them on to him. Yeah, well, you, you're quite right. Uh, Australia uses about 1.5 million tonnes of plastic per year, and about 80 percent goes to landfill or gets burnt. Of the remaining 20 percent, uh, half of that. Uh, we actually recycle as PET bottles or um, high-density polyethylene. 
and the other half we export to uh, places like the Philippines and China. Uh, so there's not a lot of recycling going on mm. directly of the soft plastics and, and all of that material. But we're very excited about the polywaste technology mm. and what it's going to be able to do once mm. fully commercialised. Mm. And and uh, we've actually uh, were involved in a beach clean-up at Double Island Point, just north of Noosa. Uh, that occurred last October. And all of the Surfrider Foundation collected all of the that plastic, mixed plastic and commingled plastic and contaminated plastic off the beach. We took that down to our, our facility. We've turned that into boards and we're presenting a park bench uh, back to Noosa Council next weekend to co- coincide with Clean Up Australia Day. And we're pretty excited about being able to do that. Uh, it's a demonstration of what can be done mm. with mixed plastics and contaminated plastics. So this <clears throat> this machine, Colin, um, you don't have to wash the plastics. You don't have to break it down to, to pellets. You've, you've eliminated all those steps in the process. Absolutely. Uh, so all of those uh, steps that Peter mentioned, uh, we don't need. We just take the bales of mixed plastic, in they go, get melted once, uh, and out come the products. And we've actually had uh, visitors to our plant who've actually looked at us, us operating. And these are experienced people in the waste industry. And they actually turned to each other and said, we just cannot believe what we just saw. So you, you literally, doesn't matter what type of plastic, you can have all sorts of different types of plastics in there and they'll all come together as, as, a, as, a, as a unified product. That's what people can't believe. Yeah. Uh, that, and, and there's no uh, magic tricks or anything that we do. We don't add anything to um, make those things compatible. It's, there is a, uh, even people in the plastics industry can't believe that we can get a uniform plastic mm. substrate uh, through all this commingled material. But in fact, you can. And the secret is in homogenising it. So you're actually not trying to blend blobs of the different polymers, but you're actually homogenising it all together. Uh, and and it forms a really good substrate. Hmm. So you are you you know are they garden products again? You say you made a park bench out of a, a bunch of stuff from the beach. Well, we'll be we we made a um, because it was collected from the beach. We thought the re- a really uh, uh, great touch point would be to actually return it to the beach yeah. as something mm. useful. It's a great way to demonstrate what's what's available. We the process that we have. Um, it's it's the melting mix and melting technology that um, that is unique. Um, as Colin said, we, the the waste can commingled waste and, and up to twenty percent uh, contaminant um, contaminants such as uh, soil or agricultural residue, etc. Um, it can be blended in as well, so you don't have to um, to wash it like existing technologies. So that goes into into the machine. It's um, under pressure, it's melted together, and um, and out comes a, a molten substrate that it resembles uh, bread dough, okay. uh, quite hot bread dough, yes. around about uh, uh, between 180 and 200 degrees. Um, then it needs to be moulded, yep. and there, it, and and here the the point uh, wh- where we are in the development of the product, we've we've proven that the melter works, which is it's a world first. It's it's it is really a groundbreaking technology. Then we have to marry it up to um, an existing plastic or technology for moulding it or mm. extruding it. Mm. Um, so where we're at at the moment uh, as a company is that we 
have focused on the, the mix and melt technology, which is an Australian invention, by the way. Um, and we have to then marry that to uh, a technology that allows you to extrude it or uh, mould it. So currently we found that this particular plastic blend um, uh, responds well and moulds well under pressure. So we've been hand moulding um, planks uh, from um, basically steel moulds that we had had made up, and it's but quite successfully. You know, we've we, but we we want to take that further. So we uh, to to make the the whole uh, system commercial, you can't be hand moulding. Oh gosh, no. This. So um, proof of concept, you know, tick, you know, environmentally friendly tick. Commercial, bump, bump. It's, it's not quite. <laughs> yes, right. it, it's not quite right, and so that, that's uh, we've, we've launching a campaign. Um, uh, we've just started this week. We're very excited about the prospects of it, but uh, to let people know about a about the problem of um, uh, seaborne uh, plastic, but also that uh, of what can be done, and, and that we can contribute to um, to making the world a better place. The, the campaign is called Sea Trash to Sea Treasure. It's S-E-A, Trash, to S-E-E, Sea Treasure. Um, it basically explains the, the program um, that Colin described, how we can um, re- recycle beach plastic, which is our visible sign of that there is a, an issue. It can be harvested off the beach, bundled and remanufactured, um, recycled and manufactured into um Something that's worth worthwhile, mm. a useful product such as a, a park bench. There could be any, any other n- amount of products that could be made from it. It's just a different mould, or um, so. But at the, we thought a community bench back on the beach would would actually oh, yes. Great be a touch. really good touch point for us. <clears throat> yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, I was talking to someone actually <clears throat> associated with the um, the strawberry <clears throat> industry, and uh, they have a lot of dirty black plastic sheeting mm. that they have no way at this stage of recycling. Um, would that be suitable? Absolutely. In fact, we recycled some uh, yesterday. Oh, we, really? We have uh, we had some visitors to our uh, plant that are interested in humanitarian programs. Um, and this technology, um, we have a shared vision with these particular people. Overseas, a lot of, um, a lot of waste that they don't have sophisticated... Uh, uh, collection um, systems that we do. Uh, there are some countries that they they have no potable water that they drink out of plastic bags. Mm. The, what we know is the plastic problem here uh, in or in the Western mm. world is is nothing compared to what it's like in some of the developing countries. But there is uh, plastic waste. We like to look at it as a resource now. Um, in, in every part of the uh, daily lives, like uh, the agricultural waste that you referred to, um, blended beautifully. Uh, we were speaking to the, the farmer that donated that uh, plastic to us. Um, it costs them about three hundred dollars a ton to get rid of if they if they do it legally. Yes, um, most of it would get would get burnt. There. So Ugh. it's illegal to oh, do that's that. That's terrible. They can't just bury it back into the ground no. um, because that's illegal and it costs them a lot and it's, it's some um, some tips won't take it because just the, the quantity is too, Fair too enough. great. Yep, yep. So this plastic is, uh, it's actually, well, may, may sound funny, but it's beautiful plastic for <laughs> <It's> uh, <laughs> beautiful waste. Good it, stuff. It is contaminated. 
and we we um, uh, loaded that into the the melter, um, and it's was fantastic. And this this particular farmer, he and his uh, a couple of his neighbours, they had something like six six tons of it, and that's just from one you know, one small farming community. Mm. And this is a, it's a very popular um, film to use in ag- agriculture. Yes. So a regionally based um, recycler like us, um, we can um, service a community of about 50,000 people. How much can your machine, like, you know, capacity-wise, how much can you process using the, the machine that you've actually built? There's, there's, there's one machine in the world, and that's our prototype that we mm-hmm. have at Moama. Um, that can process 3,000 tonnes per annum. Okay. Which is a is a small but still significant contribution mm. to. So, what we're about is not so much look, bring all your plastic to Moama mm. and, and we'll <laughs> recycle it when and as we can. That's what you want to be known for. Ah, yeah. that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's the plastic recycling. Correct. Plan. <laughs> but, but we we do want Moama to be known yeah. as the home of um, of the the of the technology mm. and the inventor uh, Ross Collins who. Uh, who, who sadly passed away in uh, August last year? Um, uh, that's Moama was his home, and that, mm. and he was uh, very passionate about um, plastic and, and recycling. He understood the um, the global issues, but from a regional basis, he saw all of this uh, uh, wasted resource in in agricultural mm. films, um, and it's not just films; it's it's also uh, rigid plastics as well. Mm. So yes. we can we can co-mingle those and, and melt them at the same time. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. But I guess that there is no plastic um, that can't be recycled. Wow. Um, with this invention will enable us to, uh, to recycle more efficiently and, um, and we can actually compete against virgin polymer. Can I ask, like with, with regard, you know, you, you spoke uh, at the beginning about the way a tarpaulin will, will start to actually break up. Like, mm. have, how do you understand the long-term life of these plastics that, or these, you know, new plastics that you're creating? Will, will they be UV stable? And, you know, for, for things such as leachates into soil, like, you know, one of the questions I get asked a lot, and, you know, I work for Gardening Australia as a writer behind the scenes, and, and often we're tackling with things like, do we need to say you need to use a plastic that is for potable water if you're lining a garden bed or, or as such. So, yeah, can you speak a little bit to the, those issues? People are rightly concerned uh, about the fact that there are plastics that, that leach and there's things that leach out of plastics. We can't change that dynamic. We can't fundamentally change the molecules. So if uh, we would recommend that if we were using the plastics, and for instance, the wood garden beds have been tested to make sure that they don't leach, so they're fine for organic gardening. Yep. Uh, if we're making things out of commingled plastics that we're not sure what went in, uh, we will be doing some testing in time to see what those applications are. Mm. Uh, so for park mm. benches and things like that, fine. Uh, fence posts, fine. But uh, you're quite right, uh, that does need to be tested and confirmed in some of those applications. Yep. Mm. And there will be things that we put in there that are of that leachable, mm. breakdown uh, variety that there may be applications where we'd say, no, we don't recommend that. Mm. Uh, mm. But, yes, it's very much horses for courses. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, okay. Peter, you're also, um, you have a campaign out there as well. You, you're actually wanting some crowdfunding. That's Tell us correct. about that. Well, it's a, um, we, we've we've got a lot a number of people interested, and everyone we talk to about the uh, 
um, uh, the technology we have and, and where we're at in our development stage are very excited about it. But um, as I mentioned earlier, look, we can't solve the world's problem in, in just in Moama. So no, of course not. <laughs> our, our, our effort is to, uh, is to, I guess, get the end-to-end process complete so we can demonstrate um, the plastic uh, resource or waste going in one end and actually a material coming out the other end in an automated fashion. So, mm. um, so there will be investors uh, become interested in, in what we're doing when they can see that end-to-end process. So that can't happen quick enough for us, and, yes. and it's a matter of um, uh, funding. We don't have the resources to be, just to be able to, uh, um, to complete that. So we thought, well, an interesting way would be to so we, we, we tick the box with the melter, we believe that um, we can bring the technology to the world uh, sooner if we can actually speed up the, um, the ability for us to actually produce that, end, uh, that end-to-end process and be mm-hmm. able to demonstrate that. So, so we've gone with the crowdfunding option um, because I think there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of people out there that are concerned about the plastic waste issue. Oh, definitely. Want to be part of the solution. And for you know as little as five dollars or something, they can be part of that, um, and you know, we can we'd be happy to accept um, any any sort of donation or or, uh, or offer to to be involved. Um, there's different levels of support that we're, that crowdfunding offers. So whatever the the uh, the individual is comfortable um, to donate, um, it, it's great. We we will uh, gracefully accept it all. We're, we're looking to raise two hundred thousand dollars. Right. Um, which is a you know, substantial amount of money, but it's uh, it's um, it's not a lot when you in in the industry. Like, oh, you know, absolutely! Like some of the um, uh, the technologies employed um, in the plastics industry, you know, two hundred thousand is is nothing. It's yes. a feasibility study and yes. <laughs> and a trial. So yes. we're we're confident that we can. Um, we're looking at refurbishing. A uh, machine that used to be used for e-wood, actually, to make uh, posts, etc., um, to refurbish that machine and have it um, set, settled and fitted into Moama, we've estimated two hundred thousand um, dollars will will get us there. And from that, we can demonstrate the technology to uh, um, to other interested parties, whether they're whether it's for humanitarian purposes, as I touched on earlier, or for uh, existing plastic recyclers, or existing plastic manufacturers, I should say, yes, yes. or, or people, uh, large companies that have a, a plastic problem mm. that may want to do something with it themselves. That mm. for us, the solution is to is to get the um, end-to-end process finished, and then be able to demonstrate it, and then uh, make the technology available to uh, all around the world, where uh, the melting process is is patented. We've uh, invested in that, um, but. The more machines that are out of the world, that the, the, the issue can be tackled regionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the humanitarian basis we've touched on before, um, there could be uh, wealth generated for um, developing countries and regions where they can actually clean up um, mm-hmm. their own backyard, literally, where uh, it's, a, it's a massive problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Take it out of the river system, harvest it from you know, from the various dumps. Make it a valuable resource make, that make people it, actually can earn a living, perhaps collecting. We, yeah. We'll be able to. Well, families will be able to earn income from just collecting plastic, similar to our you know mm. um, aluminium can scheme. Yes, um, it will employ um, uh, local people in in the in the manufacturing process, and they can actually make 
um, products that that community requires. Whether Roofs. It's, correct. Whether yeah. it's low-cost housing yep. um, or, or fencing or, yeah. or an industry where they can actually generate income for other things that they need. Wow. Mm. That's really exciting. Mm. Have you mm. made any representation to government at all? We have had some um, – we have made representations out to, to government. We have um, received some um, uh, some grants and some interest, but uh, probably the, the people who have shown the most interest in, in us has been the New South Wales Office and Environment and Heritage, mm. of, of which Colin has done most of that uh, negotiation discussion with. Um, they've supported us to, to – to demonstrate the technology, like the, they supported this, um, the, the the bench that we, yes. we discussed that's going back to um, to Noosa, and they've been terrific. But uh, I think the more uh, we, we've written to people, we, we, but we think people power will, will we're hoping will get us over over the line. Um, we want um, more people to know about what we're doing. Absolutely. Um, so even from a, a groundswell support. Um, There'll, there'll be more interest and you know, perhaps more votes in, in getting uh, this type of uh, technology known because it's, it's a great story. Yes, um, it's a brilliant it's story. An, it's, it's an Australian invention and we, yeah. we're very proud of it. We, we want to make sure that uh, you know, we put Moama on the map for all the right sure reasons. Sure, the Deputy Prime Minister would be interested in this little regional yeah. you know, well, we have, innovation. Uh, we have written to uh, a number of uh, our Parliament members in you know, state and, and uh, well, local because uh, councils could actually be oh, yes. great... Uh, Potential customers of ours and um, and you know, state and federal um, uh, members. So we're, we're we're hoping that we'll get the um, the positive feedback mm. um, and the opportunity to talk about it like mm. we are today. So mm. gardeners yeah. can just drop their plastic pots off at your place. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting you mention that because just at, at a local nursery um, where I live in in Surrey Hills, uh, Acorn Nursery. Yes. I spoke to them about this, and we are going to uh, set up a, um, a plastic pot recycling. I'm mm. supplying them with a small cage, and uh, just on a small scale, on a trial basis, mm. um, the customers will be able to drop their pots in. Um, someone will give me a lift with the cage back on, onto the trailer, <laughs> and I'll, I'll haul it up to Moama, and um, and we'll be able to recycle once again. Mm. It's a proof of concept, and from a just from a, a small trial, it's it's something that I think will be um, very very useful. And raising consciousness too about what you're doing, I yes, guess you absolutely. put a nice bit of information on that cage. And Correct. Lots of people who are who are so, sticking their head in. So you would know how many plastic pots get <laughs> wasted. And well, I know Garden City Plastics recycle them, don't mm. they? And it, but the thing that I um, I often say to people is that the coloured pots are always made from virgin plastics, mm-hmm. but the blacks. Is this still true? The black pots can often be made from recycled materials. So if you've got a cho- choice between a pretty pink pot that's designed to catch your eye and a plain old black one, choose the black one. <laughs> that would be that would be true. Yeah, yeah. That would be a lot easier to uh, to colour virgin uh, mm. plastic than it would be to uh, recycled material. Um, Garden City Plastics may be a... <laughs> Uh, uh, the type of client mm. that could benefit from our technology Absolutely. to, to yeah. make their process more efficient. Yep. Um, so, you know, as I say, existing uh, plastic manufacturers and, and mm. uh, current recyclers, uh, we think will be very interested in the, in the process once we can demonstrate it end to end. We've really got to get the word out, Peter. There's mm. so many people that, that I could just see um, really enthusiastic to be involved um, and of course, it's it's so new. You haven't had time to do half of this yet. But uh, 
My goodness, what a, what an amazing achievement. Um, and, and particularly, um, you know, hats off to the inventor of this machine because it's opened up this whole world of being able to achieve this. Um, you know, we need centres right around Australia, over the world, doing this, exactly doing this. Mm. Brilliant. Part, part of our difficulty uh, has been that the story is so good that people say, oh, it can't be true. And in fact, as I mentioned before, we've had uh, visitors in from the waste industry who shake their head and say, I can't believe what I just saw. Right. Uh, and maybe some of your listeners are saying, well, I can't believe what I just heard. Mm. Yes. But I can assure you it's true. Mm. And uh, we're, we're really excited about it. Can I, am I have permission to invite some of your listeners to be involved in, a, in an international Absolutely, absolutely. There's a, a competition called the Plastic Truth Challenge, and that uh, is being run by the Upgyres uh, Society out of Vancouver in, in Canada. And if you Google uh, the Plastic Truth Challenge and uh, get onto the website, if you know of any videos uh, where plastic or the problem of plastic and how that interacts with your life, uh, there's some cash prizes available. Uh, I'm one of the 10 international judges for that competition. I'd love to see some 3CR uh, <laughs> listeners uh, enter their videos or videos that they know of on the web. So uh, Plastic Truth Challenge, uh, we'd, I'd love to, to uh, judge some of those videos. Fantastic. Plastic Truth. Um, nice. Peter, to get back to you quickly, um, if people do want to donate... Um, towards this, this crowdfunding and help get you really completing the whole process. Mm -hmm. How do they get involved? They've probably been chomping at the bit waiting, oh, talking about all this, how, how do I get involved? But uh, the, probably the best way to, to do that is to just visit, a, um, I'll quote a, uh, a link um, or a, 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 our website for the, for the campaign. Um, it's IGG. And that's short for Indiegogo, who are the the, uh, the crowdfunding mm -hmm. uh, company. IG, I'll start again. IGG.me forward slash the word at, A-T, forward slash C-Trash, S-E-A, Trash. Um, that, that's the campaign website. But we've got links to that on our, our own website, which is New Tech Poly. For some, that... that, that the spelling of New Tech Poly is quite problematic because there's no H in it. That's N-E-W-T-E-C-P-O-L-Y, newtechpoly.com.au. And if you Googled um, Sea Trash to Sea Treasure, you'd find your way there Correct. too, yeah? Correct, yes, that's Great. right. So there's, there's a number of links available and we've got all, um, um, all of the different social media covered. Uh, now, so we've 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 actually sort of grown in that department. My my daughter is a is a is an absolute whiz at that. And when we were looking for someone to do the social media, I said, "Well, we've got to got to get her to do it." Uh, Ask a younger sleep. generation, Peter. Correct. It always works. It's it's, it's, it's beyond me. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, but um, uh, Holly's doing a great job. And 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 those that visit the website um, will see a, um, a there's a, a little clip that t tells the the story quite succinctly and that was uh, put together by my son Nicholas so it's quite a family it certainly uh, is affair like uh, uh, Colin has got me into involved in the business he's um, he's uh, very involved in uh, environmental and uh, issues and in, in uh, New South Wales he consults to government he wears a number of hats um, and one too many hats was actually help, helping to run the, the company so I, I got involved there and so uh, 
Uh, Colin is a recognised authority on, on these issues and, and talks and consults to, to government on it as well. So, so there's that family connection. Um, uh, the Collins family, Ross, the inventor, we're, we're still in partnership with their, oh, that's good. with the family there, and we're we're uh, very committed to honour his uh, legacy and, yes. and, and make this a uh, make this successful. So, we're very grateful to him and his family for the for the support that they've allowed us to, or the trust they've put in us to uh, help make it happen. And another partner involved in the in the plastics industry, a fellow named Mike Ritchie, who uh, um, has run a, a couple of companies, you know, Drums Go Round, which is one of the larger um, collectors of uh, uh, chemical waste, uh, plastic drums, etc., in the Drum Muster program. Mm-hmm. And he's also up in uh, he's up in Queensland, working furiously away, um, helping. Uh, uh, chemical companies and and local farmers up on the, in far north Queensland. There's a um, so, so much for the waste is and uh, runoff from agricultural waste is going and damaging the Barrier Reef. He's doing a lot of work up there to to establish collection programs um, there, which will eventually become um, the feedstock for one of our facilities or a facility up there if uh, if there's a company wants to invest in it. Fantastic. Okay. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Um, In the studio this morning, we do have Millie Ross, Simon Rickard and Peter and Colin Barker from New Tech Poly. Um, It's more than time we invited our listeners to join us. If you'd like to have a chat to uh, Peter or Colin about this um, amazing recycling technology or if you'd like to ask a gardening question, we'd love to hear from you this morning. The number is 94190155. Wish... Oh... Go. You're That's giving the right. outside line? I am, <laughs> because we also have Liz on the outside line and her number is 94198377. I can't. Whenever I come in and you start saying the phone numbers, I want to start yelling them at the same time because of every radiothon we've <laughs> yes, ever done. We, where we, <laughs> I have a lot of trouble not <laughs> just sort of wake up in your sleep. But um, I should apologise if you can hear a strange chewing sound in the background. There's also Squid, my dog, sitting at my feet eating her chewy. So <laughs> a very full studio today. <laughs> No, it's great. So as I, I'll just mention those numbers again. Uh, to speak to the team on air, 94190155, or to speak to Liz on the outside line, 94198377. Millie, we should talk uh, a few plant gardening things. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we should. <laughs> yes. We will. Um, oh, look, it's, look, it is connected, though, and um, I just wrote on a piece of paper the ABC this year in, I think, May, June, are doing a whole month, um, which is their War on Waste. I was going to say it's War Against Waste, but it's on because it's a better acronym, I think. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly they're going to tackle some of the issues, and, and we've already been talking at GA about, you know, we, we immediately go, well, that's our show, you know. <laughs> you know, we've got... We've got a huge amount of stories in the back catalogue about, um, you know, worm farming, about mass composting, about the way we can reduce what we use. And, you know, for me, one of my passions is reminding people that plants are connected to them in every part of their life. And so I don't need a bowl to put something in. You know, I don't need a plastic bucket to plastic container to do things because I can just use a big bloody cabbage leaf to (laughs) (laughs) or you know it it is it's so it's all connected and it's um it's all it's all really interesting and I know there's another organization take three for the sea um which is which is all about just whenever you go to the beach make sure you take three bits of rubbish with you and and just trying to you know remind people that this is a huge project problem across the world but yes there are always plants to talk about absolutely and And you've um, got a whole basket well I've got no I've I've got all sorts of things I indeed but um, Simon actually made reference to this. So one of the things I've done this year, so I took on a new garden in July 
Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, there was nothing really there. Simon and a bunch of other people helped me, um, clean out the side driveway, uh, where I have this down the driveway on the, on the north side of my house. It's technically sort of public thoroughfare because it runs down to the property behind me, but, um, it's, it's where I've decided to put my vegetable garden, uh, because it's the best spot, you know, it's, it's, it's 12 meters long by about a meter and a half wide and it, it's full north. And, um, and, and one of the things I, I did, I obviously wanted to have a vegetable garden this year, but I also being it's on the north side of the house, the hot side of the house, and being there's nothing else in this garden, I wanted some privacy. And so I did some strategic planting and um, the amaranth that uh, that uh, Simon uh, actually referred to is, is one of my strategic privacy plants this year. So my vegetable garden is actually a privacy garden as well. I've used um, things like corn planted in uh, and I was, you know, I sort of walked up and down the driveway and worked out the two p- spots where I'd plant my little corn circles and this fantastic amaranth. And, you know, it just, it just always reminded me, reminds me of how we can use plants to do almost anything in the garden, can't we? Like mm. the, the idea that um, a, a corn has to be in a vegetable garden to me is is sort of a farce because it's way more fun planted around the kids' cubby house or used as a as a privacy plant. But yes, the the amaranth has been absolutely outstanding. And this was this was seed that Jane Edmondson gave me two or three years ago and I was just rummaging through my seed box and I found a an envelope for, for this fantastic um red leaf sage. I do not know what variety it is. It could be Mekong red, it could be any number of, of the amaranth. But you know, directly sown from seed, just in that right spring period, um just a fantastic and special spectacular plant but you gave a talk about it yesterday mm-hmm. yeah well it's an important grain crop in um in south america uh, it's also an important leaf crop in sub-saharan africa and asian countries actually um a chinese friend of mine gave me uh a, a quite an elderly lady gave me some amaranth um big bunch of leaves that she'd grown the other day and she said what do you call this in english and i said oh it's you know, it's an amaranth that, you know, and I said, what do you call it in Cantonese? And she said, oh, I don't know. We don't call it anything. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a very useful plant because it's it's related to, it's in the um, amaranthaceae family. So that's a family that includes a lot of useful plants like beetroot and spinach and silver beet. Quinoa is in that family as well. And like quinoa, um, the amaranth grain has got a very complete sort of protein makeup. So it's a really important um, plant in developing nations, particularly pseudo in, in grain, they say. A pseudo Grain, but probably a right. superfood. Oh yes, absolutely a superfood. I'm sure it'll be all in the supermarket. So no not time. a grass. No, no it's that exactly means, not, a, it? not, but, a, not um, a true cereal. That's right. So it's yeah, it's super duper plant. But the the foliage is edible and the flowers and uh, and uh, sorry the uh, seeds and it's it's just so decorative and incredibly fast growing yeah. too. So it's ideal for the application Millie mentioned of a privacy plant because mm. you know you put the seeds in the ground and they just jump out and they're you know, two metres tall, six feet tall in no time. Interestingly, because I really wanted the colour too. I wanted the blood red amongst all of the green. And um, and when I first sowed the seed, I watched it and it, it germinated really red and then it went green. Mm. And I sort of was looking at it going, no, <laughs> you know. And But then it actually re-redded as it, um, and as it reached about, I, I guess, 20, 30 centimetres high, it started to get that colour back again, which I thought was quite an interesting thing. Um, you know, I'd love to understand the physiology of that. But, mm. um, yeah, look, just a, a spectacular plant in the back I've got a I, I did a little cubby house and I've planted um, a maize that I bought or an Aztec court that I bought off someone in, in a market in WA you know a home gardener and it's 
I think it's nearly three metres mm. tall now and the amaranth is sort of getting up around six foot as well and it's just a, you know, I quite like feeling like a little kid mm. when you, you know, like you feel like a little person when you get mm. to grow annual plants mm. that'll actually dwarf you. And, and those um, leaves on it would be, what, like nearly 15 centimetres wide, I reckon. On, the, it's, it's on that maze. And, yeah, yeah it's, on that. it's quite spectacular and the flower is, um, you know, big dangly sort yeah. of burgundy thing. So, um, so as an ornamental it works really well Absolutely. Too. And, you know, I mean, I, corn's, corn's a hard work plant in, a, in that it takes a lot of water and nutrients and it's interesting with that planting because it's sort of in a semicircle and I've got irrigation set up while I'm not there to, to mm. go off I've noticed that that all of the plants that are on the side that get hit directly by the water are, are, are nearly a meter taller than the mm. ones on the other side mm. so you just can see that you know demonstrated at the same so time though it's a very a corn's a very thrifty plant with water because it's a, it's got a c4 metabolism so it's got a um a special kind of it metabolizes um or it makes its energy in a different way to other plants um so that it's extremely thrifty with water so you can, you almost can grow a crop regardless you, you know you can get a crop even if it's only hip high or you can get a crop if it's three meters tall it sort of makes the best of, of the conditions it's got and one of the interesting technologies that's happening now is scientists are looking at um at introducing that gene that gives it the C4 metabolism into other um, other staple crops okay. to um, to put drought tolerance into them. So this is, I mean, to me, that's quite an interesting thing. I mean, genetic modification is, you know, people tend to think it's either good or bad, but, mm. you know, it's that could be extremely useful in a changing climate to, to make, um, you, you know, wheat more drought tolerant or barley more drought tolerant mm. by introducing a gene from corn, which allows it to metabolise you know, in this different way. Mm. So. Wow. Okay. You, well, you, are, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Uh, in the studio this morning, we have Millie Ross, Simon Rickard and Peter and Colin Barker from New Tech Poly. If you'd like to jump on the phones and give us a call, we'd love to hear from you this morning. The number is 94190155 to speak to the team on air or 94198377 to have a chat to Liz on the outside line. We'll go to our first caller, and we have Jill in East Malvern. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Pam. I just want to assure Peter and Colin that I'll put an article about the plastic recycling on both the Herb Society website, Facebook page, and in the Herb Society magazine. So if everybody does that little bit of publicity, then it'll snowball into a bigger effect. Well, thank you, Jill. That's very much appreciated, and and I agree that uh, you know, the more people that know about it, and from you know, everyone's touched by uh, plastic pollution, and no matter what your interest is in, yeah. so um, you, you're publicising it is very much appreciated. Thank you. Well, the, I've talked to firms like Spotlight when they say, "Would you like a plastic bag?" I say, "You should say, have you brought your plastic bag?" And they did that for a while. And 42% of their customers complained because they weren't giving them a plastic bag, even for a packet of needles or, a, you know, some tiny object. That's so, it. you know, it needs to have a sort of a massive campaign, um, definitely through the commercial stations and the Herald Sun. So I guess even writing letters to the Herald Sun about this plastic is a sort of way to get to the ordinary person who um, may even not think about such matters. In, indeed, look, uh, plastic bags have been used in retailing. That, that, uh, my background is in uh, retailing. Um, well, we really that, need to have the state government at least have a five-cent um, pay on every plastic bag. And the numbers of plastic bags dropped 
90% in Britain, once that five pence was put on each plastic bag, which is actually more than five cents, it's about 10 cents. That's right. All, all of those programs we support, in fact, there's a local... Um, program emerging called uh, Plastic Free Echuca Moama that oh, nice. we've, we've been involved uh, or we've, uh, that's just starting up and we're, we're supporting that which they think well you're a plastic recycler and manufacturer why would you want to do there's that? There's plenty which, out there. there is, and, and that's exactly <laughs> our response there is more than enough plastic for us even if, you, even yeah. if plastic production stopped. Yeah. Well every time I go to buy nectarines um, I I've count the numbers of times I bought nectarines in this one bag, and I'm up to number six. So <laughs> oh, that's it's fantastic! The same plastic bag taken every time. <laughs> I, think, I think, yeah, sorry. We, we used to be uh, generations before before us uh, used to be much better recyclers than oh. than, than we are, and uh, I think that's just a, a hopefully that. Uh, programs like this and, and s- statistics that we can uh, that more than find out about what uh, problem plastic is. Mm. Uh, you've probably heard of that um, of the you know, the islands of plastic that are out there in the ocean. It's yeah. not so much an island that you can walk on, but it's more like a slurry of mm. a plastic that's been collected by the uh, by the currents. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the Pacific, in the Sea. That's correct. One of those gyres. Um, is the size of Queensland. So that just gives you an idea of the scale that we're talking about and and there's more than there's more than one guy out in the in the ocean but that that was one of the statistics that really um uh, shocked me when I first joined the industry. I thought well um it's it's just uh the problem is is massive and that, and it needs uh, fundamental change in the way we work with plastic and and need um, more and more technology to be able to manage um, uh, what we what we do with it, and how do, how are we going to clean up the mess that our gener- you know, generations, the last two mm. or three generations, have actually mm. created? So it's just the habit too. You know, I've got my bits and pieces in my one of my harvest baskets, and you know, my my mum when I was a kid always carried a basket she had a handbag and she had her basket and I've got all of those baskets now but it was when I think back I think what a great way that was to just grab whatever you needed you know that was what she carried all the time you know probably you know some lunch for us some bits and pieces and and it was just her her way of moving around but now I think back and it was a really smart way way to do things and mm. I think if if the the simplest thing people can do today they can get onto your website but they can also really try and make a conscious change in how much plastic they bring bring home uh, exactly right in fact um a strategy of retailers is to actually have a bigger plastic bag than than their opposition, so the, uh, use it as an advertising yep. um, uh, strategy. So, um, multiple plastic bags uh, for for very small purchases is not an uncommon thing, mm. Um, mm. even in markets. You know, yes. But um, it's probably not a great thing now for, um, or will become a, a fact that retailers probably won't want to put their name on the plastic bag because that's what they see floating down the street or in in the in a river system or washing up on the beach it's it's not a good look and and everyone involved in the manufacture of uh, uh, virgin plastics and 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 supermarkets and and uh, advocates for plastic packaging um, can does the printing on a bag um, com- com- um, make it less Adaptable as a plastic recycle. Oh, the, the the printing content is um, is very small compared to uh, the rest of it. Yeah. We don't foresee that as being a a major issue. Oh, but, that's uh, good because toilet paper packaging. 
always has the printing on the outside. Yes, and when and bread bags and everything the same, but once mixed in, commingled with uh, the other. Uh, the other materials, it's, it, it's fine. Yeah. But uh, you can buy your toilet paper bulk from uh, from who gives who a crap, gives a crap yes, and fifty percent of their profits goes to water projects in the developing world, and they'll yes. deliver you a bag of a box of fifty or something rolls. Mm, You'll yes. never have to think about needing mm. loo paper again. Yeah. And it, it's actually pretty good stuff. We it's really good quality. <laughs> yeah, <that's> a, <laughs> I know. There are there are movements even in industry. Colin might be able to quickly touch on it, Pam, if it's okay about. Um, um, uh, People involved in plastic packaging, um, there's movement there that uh, that the, inter- the viewers, oh, the, sorry, the listeners might be interested in. Yes, just uh, recently in New Delhi, uh, they've banned composite plastics uh, in over two years, and a lot of the big companies that manufacture plastics Thank have you. gone into a bit of a. Okay, thanks, Jill. Have gone into a bit of a, a, a tiz about that because now they've got a instead of having a a barrier for moisture and another barrier for UV and another barrier for these things, they've actually got to make them more recyclable. And some of those companies are actually very excited about what we're doing because we said to them, "Well, don't worry about it. We'll, you know, we can recycle it whether it's a, a one polymer or many." Mm. Uh, so that's uh, that's something that's coming but also in Australia the packaging covenant uh, is is uh, it's in its fourth generation now it's got uh, a significant amount of funding and a lot of the food companies and packaging companies are looking to be part of the solution uh, they recognize the problem mm. uh, it's very real and uh, I suppose I can use some names but companies like Unilever and Mars and coca-cola uh, although uh, you know we sort of see them as part of the problem and and that's true their their labels are there they're also actively seeking to to make a difference through the packaging covenant and they know uh, it will be their them. responsibility in the in the long term there's not you can't let a company you know send their rubbish out into the world with no responsibility for long enough surely they understand that that's coming that people will look to them to provide the solutions as well as yeah. A- absolutely. And and actually 32% of all the plastic that we use misses the waste collection stream mm. worldwide. Yes. Mm. So, you know, we are talking about 300 million tonnes a year, 32% missing the collection systems. It, the companies that actually have their names on all of these products um, and packaging uh, are starting to rec- recognise the problem and the mm. scale of it. Mm. Good. I have been asked to repeat the address for the uh, Australian Plant Society Keelor Plains Group. Um, as I mentioned, they're meeting uh, next Friday, March the 3rd at 8 o'clock. Now, the address is uh, the one I gave out earlier, but just to repeat it, it's at the Maribyrnong Activity Centre. It's at 54 Raleigh Road in Maribyrnong. So 54 Raleigh Road in Maribyrnong. That's a new address for that uh, group. And that's where Trevor Blake will be giving his illustrated talk on his recent botany trip to the Tanami Desert. Okay, let's go to our next caller. And uh, let's see, we have um, Hugh in the Yarra Valley. Good morning, Hugh. Uh, good morning, panel, and uh, very interesting topic. And um, good morning, Victoria. <clears throat> very briefly, I want to talk about um, recycling plastic, the most crudest form of recycling plastics I heard on the BBC very recently. And it is in, it happened in one of those uh, water poor countries of, of which they have many in Africa, 
and um, some villagers have to cart the water from from place A to place B where they live, and this water comes in plastic bags, and so they have a they're inundated with uh, with an array of plastic bags, um, and the uh, one African got the idea to melt the plastic down, and they mix it with sand of which they have plenty and they turn it into pavers and I thought that was the most crudest form of, of recycling I have ever heard and apparently they're very successful at it are you hearing me? yes we're listening Ye- yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the other question I have is perhaps to Millie uh, I have a jacarenda it's in a pot and the stem is um, of this jacarenda is 8 foot tall right around the two, 2 meter 50 and it has a very sparse uh, top on it, only only half a meter in diameter after many, many years. Mm. And the reason is, I think, because there are so many offsets along the stem. And to my way of thinking, they take the sap away from the top. Now, I wanted to cut those off. And then I thought, ah, oh, maybe I can turn them into cuttings. So my question is, um, should I wait till winter and try cuttings, or if, if that's not very successful, I'd rather cut them off now to make a lot of sap go to the top and make the, the top at two and a half meters high. You, you said it was in a pot, yes, Hugh? Yes, yeah. they yes. they're always very awkward looking trees until they get a bit of age on them. So they're really kind of whippy, clumpy, um, you know, they're not they're not like a, a a crepe metal you would buy in a pot that has a lovely branch structure. So I would suggest that that's probably um just the natural habit of the plant. I wouldn't bother trying to propagate those cuttings. I think they're much better from seed. Um so yeah, look I would say cut them off um but I'd get it in the ground as soon as you can. And, and hopefully you'll, you'll get a nice tree. I, I would be always really cautious about pruning jacarandas too much because um, they, they just they don't like it. They end up a really weird, weird, weird shape. shape yeah. yeah. Should I, um, it's about two or three of these offsets along the stem, and if they, if they sort of soak uh, when I prune them, should I just take one off now and another one in a month later? Or um, I wouldn't think it'll make a difference. So you're just essentially lifting the canopy of the tree. But you might find when that tree's planted that, that those branches are part of the, the, the framework of the tree. So I'd, I'd be resistant to pruning them too much. I, I'd rather you just popped it in the ground and, and saw what happened. They're, they're a funny tree, you know, when you see one that's you know, well-established in a garden, Simon. They're one of the most beautiful mm. trees, but I can't imagine what it's like to have to wait for that <laughs> if you if you plant one yourself. Yeah, but <laughs> M- Millie, you did understand me. These offsets, they are, say, three-quarter metre high, one metre high and one-and-a-half metre high. They're not at the top. Yeah, so that, that, that would be part of the branch structure of the tree um, because they, they do look quite awkward they're not like a then they don't form a, a three branch crown system no. the way a grafted they're not, they're not or a central tree. leader tree like a yeah. like a fir tree or a spruce or something so they are often multi-trunked and um you, you know you will get a denser plant i think you if you leave the offsets on to form extra trunks i see yeah because they're very strong you know are they yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, 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 Pam, do I have time for another question? Uh, if you're quick, Hugh. 
um, the possums killed the um, birch, which was six, seven meters high. And um, from the ground now come offshoots. And uh, one particular lot is a multi, multi offshoots. Just uh, cut the, pick the strongest one and cut the other ones off. Can I turn them into cuttings? No, you won't be able to turn them into cuttings, um, Hugh. They don't they don't propagate well as cuttings. But yes, you can select the the shoots that you want to keep and leave them in the ground as a multi stemmed tree. Let them grow into new trunks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But so, I presume the, the the possums will do the same thing to them one day as well. So maybe you want to choose a different tree. Maybe that's a spot for a jacaranda, for example. If you grow orchids, uh, you just be very careful because the possums they eat the the new shoots uh, which bring you the flowers so um, so one day perhaps they will go at that birch tree again yes. anyway, yeah. thanks for the advice yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. have a nice weekend thank you, you. bye bye possums don't get us started <laughs> <laughs> okay next up we're going to Frank out in Craigieburn good morning Frank good morning all uh, uh, by the way, I guess about the jacaranda, is it a native plant? No, it's no. from South America, from Brazil and Uruguay. Oh, it's a beautiful tree, mm. especially the flat. When you see them in the suburban gardens, they're very tall too, aren't mm. they? Mm. It's a tall tree. Yes, it is, yeah. What was your question, Frank? Oh, well, the question about, uh, surely this must be known, we had the Stone Age... The, the, the uh, Bronze Age, and I think we have the Plastic Age. I now. think you're not uh, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would be known as years to come, the Plastic Age. Love I was that. in the, I was in England a few years back, and uh, I carried one of the green bags. You know the green bags, of course. Mm. Yep. And uh, I asked one or two people why people didn't have green bags, and then uh, having one, one or two of them said, "Well, we use degra- degradable plastic here." Mm-hmm. Now, what's degradable plastic bags? The De- degradable. Yep. Have you heard about that? Yes, yes, we're about to answer you, Frank. That's, yes. That's self self uh, destruction, self uh, disposing. You, you mean biodegradable? I think. Degradable. Yes. yes. Colin's yeah. gonna. One of the things I I say uh, to people about that, and it, and certainly biodegradable saves a waste problem. But as we said originally, plastic breaks up and the molecules yes, yes. still persist. So, so even, even though, a biodegradable? Even though it's biodegradable, you don't break up all of every single molecule very quickly. Yeah. The, the other thing about biodegradable plastics uh, is that they rely on either oxygen or moisture or UV to, to degrade. Mm. So if they get mixed with the plastic that we put into a post, or a, yeah. it actually doesn't create any problem for us because it's locked into the matrix mm. and those molecules won't be accessed by UV mm. oxygen well, well, or moisture. Any, 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 any alternative as the people over there thought? But, I mean, it's, uh, self, you know, it's a self-destructive uh, compensation, like, you know. And, uh, like, uh, they thought, they thought they were doing enough for the environment by having uh, That's what they've been sold. <laughs> one of my, my other lives, Frank, I'm um, in the industrial ecology network as a director, and one of the things that we talk about is maintaining the value of resources in the economy. And with biodegradable plastics, you're turning something that costs probably retail five to $7,000 a tonne 
into zero through a self-destruct mechanism. Yeah. Uh, we think it should be recycled uh, into other materials and the value of that polymer that's taken energy and, mm. and resources mm. to create right, uh, to reuse it. Mm. All right. Interesting. And, and yeah. Another thing, I, I got the local pa- read the local paper and this, in the, the other night uh, about uh, plastic and they said we should do what they do in Australia, have a clean-up day. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I said to myself, you know... Uh, it, it, things are pretty crooked here too with with the plastic. Like, mm. but the, the clean up Australia. Why don't they emphasise about the deposit on all plastic and tins and cans and cartons? Well, I think they do. I think <laughs> they try. <laughs> There's an interesting uh, group called Tangaroa Blue, and they look at all of the beach clean up. Uh, at Australia Day and, and other days, or Clean Up Australia Day, and they uh, 76% of all the items that are collected, and there's millions and millions of them so far on their website, they've catalogued 76% are plastic. Mm. Yes. But yeah. they, they don't seem to come down my. I'm on the rural uh, region part of uh, Melbourne, like, but you ever see them come around my place? And I live near a creek, and you want, you want to say all the stuff that gets washed into the oh, creek. Oh, you should yeah. start your own little it's, group, Frank. Get down there and get them down I, on I, clean I, up day. I, I, I won't be naming the paper, the local paper, uh, 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 showing show the extent of the damage uh, where it's going in the creek. But I think there's still about 60% using plastic bags instead of the green bags, you know? Yeah, yep. But getting back to the garden show. Uh, plastic has a bit of use, like making greenhouses and uh, plastic yeah. pipes and uh, d- different things like uh, pl- plastic. Uh, it's it's like concrete, it, Frank. There's always plenty to find on the side of the road, I reckon. <laughs> yes, I mean, people yeah. are doing... A, they are a, a, a faithful few will uh, have them green bags. That's, that's all I can do at present. Mm. But never mm. mind. Thanks very much. Okay. Thanks, Frank. Thanks. See you later. Thank you, Frank. Bye. Thank you. It is true. It, you know, I, I often, I mean, I reuse my potting mix bags and things to line the bottom of a basket when I want to plant it up with things. You know, I'm often often just using it all the time. But, I, you know, it is it is about choice, though. Like all of these conversations we're having about picking it up off the beach is about people being responsible, actually. And I'm shocked. I, I often go now to Trentham Falls um, to go for a walk. And every time I go there, there are huge bags of food waste People go to the trouble of putting it all in one bag, but then they leave it there because there's no bins, you know. And the other day I was quite warmed because someone put it in the back of my ute as opposed to just leaving it on the ground. (laughs) And I thought, they must have seen me get out of the car and go and collect all the rubbish (laughs) and put it in my ute before I went for a walk. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Maybe they know you and know it will be disposed of responsibly. Yeah, there, there goes so the rubbish bin lady. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's priceless. Okay, we need to move on. We're going next to uh, Pippa, who's in Sydenham. Good morning, Pippa. Pippa. Oh, good, good morning to you all, and thank you for taking my call. I've taken two cuttings of uh, mulberry trees, grown very successfully up to uh, seven feet now. Do they need uh, a different rootstock to produce larger mulberries? Um, no, Pippa, they don't. They um, You can actually grow mulberries from very large cuttings, the thickness of your wrist, which we call truncheon cuttings. Um, so they don't they don't perform differently. They're not traditionally grafted. There's no benefit in grafting mm. them. So your cuttings should be fine. Yeah, if you want a bigger mulberry, you need to find someone with a bigger mulberry fruit tree, like find a really good variety. So, mm. so okay. you know, there's a lot of seed-grown mulberries. They can... 
grow easily from seed and yep. if you're just taking cuttings of one of those trees, you know, it might not be particularly good. Um, but, yeah, people grow living fences with them, Simon. You mm-hmm. know, they do those trunch and cuttings That's and actually right. literally plant a, a fence of, of cuttings and, and keep it pruned and then you get this fantastic, um, you know, deciduous uh, chook run yep. fence um, with, uh, with edible fruit as well. Yeah. Now, can I just add... Um, I spoke to your plastic recycling chap, I think, two years ago. Uh, he delightfully called me back when I left a message um, to ask whether he was going to make rocking horses out of that uh, product of his. And he said no, but it was um, something that you know, other people could do. But I'm going to uh, ask him to not sell Australia short by not stamping either edge of his park seat without our national emblems of a kangaroo and an emu either side. Because if you're just starting out and then you're taken over by some multinational, I want them to know that it was you who invented it. And could you please also understand ergonomically, we'd like a chair for older people where we can sit down without it going down too low. I think it's going to be quite rigid. Yes, look, um, thank you for for that. And and, uh, um, our our other product, uh, Ewood, which we've mentioned before, we... um, I had to do quite a bit of convincing to the Australia Made uh, campaign to say, well, it is Australian because the source, they really want to know the source of the material. Yeah. And so much of the plastic is, is purchased from overseas in mm. our consumer mm. products, et cetera. But um, when it becomes waste, it's, it's, a, it's a new resource. Mm. And so I said, well, this is Australian You're waste. you be proud of our rubbish. <laughs> Correct. <And> so, <laughs> proud so, of our and dropping so we, we achieved, bags. we achieved, we, we were able to uh, uh, have Australia Made uh, the logo right. on our on our Ewood product, and we would uh, very much like to have the same um, accreditation um, on on the products that we make in in Moama. But we we certainly are, are promoting uh, the fact that this is, is an Australian invention. It's a world first, and uh, uh, we're extremely proud of it. And whether we we'll we'll, we'll see if we can get an Australia made. Um, accreditation on each machine that we mm. make but uh, mm. we want to sell a lot of machines all around the world and 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 to, to know that it's coming from australia is very important absolutely and you were saying oh, before yeah. that you had your your, your hand formed planks so no doubt someone could bespoke make a rocking horse out of this new product. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> we, ho- we hope that um, we can make the the raw material for an excellent rocking horse and also the, you mentioned about a, a chair that um yeah, that's right. all. It's yeah. all in the design, not so yep. much the material, and, and uh, I'm sure that our material would be uh, suitable. Mm. Fantastic. Okay, Peter. Yes, lovely. Okay, bye. Bye. Right, uh, let me see. Moving on, we've got our good friend Ken out in sunshine. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, and congratulations for your um, for your invention. And the thing is, the most important thing in the world is the environment. Mm, absolutely. We've got an environment we don't breathe. Exactly. Well, you know, we, there's there's sufficient science to say now that we're choking our planet, and and uh, and I think uh, the the plastic age that was referred to by the uh, earlier um, uh, caller was uh, really good. I, I hadn't thought of it in that way, and I think it's uh, it's very true. But you know, it's. It's, uh, plastic is one issue, but there are many, many other ways in which we're we're not doing our environment. Um, uh, 
looking after it as we should. Mm. We we uh, we should be better wardens of uh, of our planet. Oh. Of course, and even even I was hearing the other day that a, that a whale swallowed eighty bags, and they see him as jellyfish. Mm. The, yes, the fish died. I mean, it died. The biggest mammal in the world, and I mean. What are we? And I mean, I mean the greed of multinationals, and there you got me going. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's just so important because we're going to have no planet, the and we've always got to talk about. And it's more important to to plant trees and um, and um, a beautiful garden because it helps the environment. Mm. And that's what we've got to do. Anyway, thanks very much. It's mm. still a fantastic program and it's still the best gardening program in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank, Thank you, Ken. Ken. And you're all fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Ken. Bye. Bye. Colin, did you want to reply to that, to Ken's comments? I was just going to say that entanglement and ingestion uh, by marine life, and you mentioned the whale with the, with the plastic bags. Uh, you know, we've mm. got plastic rope and nets, fishing nets discarded, thrown overboard that are catching turtles and, and they're drowning. Uh, there's some very sad images of some um, albatross chicks off Midway Island where the uh, the adult albatrosses have been feeding it and its stomach's full of bits of plastic mm. uh, and it's obviously died, uh, starved, uh, but the parents have been out doing their very doing their best job. for their chicks you know yes. it, it's just so sad yes. and and uh, we we need to be confronted by some of these things mm. absolutely at the um at the the very very fantastic and I can't believe I hadn't been before but I went to the Anglesey um, wildflower festival in September last year so run by the Angair group who are a really really active um uh, weed control and plant protection group in that region because there's heaps of tourists that come down. It's got this, you know, world-renowned heathlands and orchids. You know, it's a really important place. But in their wildflower show, they had other rooms to engage people. So they had a room full of reptiles. You know, you could pat a crocodile, which is always going to get the kids excited. But they also had a, 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 a gentleman there from Coast Care and he had a plastic bag in a water jar. And um, it was... Probably the thing the kids were most fascinated by was standing there looking at a plastic bag in a jar of water and it looked exactly like a jellyfish. Mm. Like it was, mm. you know, you hear this and you think, oh, it's, you know, silly albatross, but it looks exactly like one. And mm. it was quite a quite a stark, you know, example of, you see one plastic bag that you leave on the beach and you don't run down and grab it. Well, it's, it's likely to end up in someone's stomach because it's just... You know, looks like part of the environment. Indeed, like a lot of the the, uh, the plastic that has broken up in the ocean, um, now it sort of just it keeps breaking up into smaller and smaller uh, particles. Um, like the fish that ingest that, you know, we're we're probably eating it in our sushi mm. <laughs> now. Like the, it's it's it has an impact on on mm. everything we do. It's in the food chain. Mm. Yeah. So we. we there's a real call to action for us, and we're we're part of the the movement, I guess, uh, mm. just a small part of the movement that that we need to have that uh, fundamental change that Millie was talking about. Mm. Absolutely, we'll go next to uh, let me see to uh, Bill in Lilydale. Good morning, Bill. Yeah, good morning, panel. Uh, it's wonderful news just to hear about the, this development. Uh, when you think of the amount of plastic, I can go back to the 1950s when. Uh, plastic it looked as if it was a wonderful thing they had it in toys all kinds of toys and all kinds of sort of uh, equipment Tupperware. Uh, and well uh, plastic <laughs> bags too is another thing yeah and i can remember a time when you went to the, 
when you went to the shops, you actually took sort of mm. string bags or some other means of carrying the stuff away. Mm. I think one of the things that has really happened with the, the invention, with the, the motor car becoming more, almost everyone has them, motor cars you can just pull up and fill the car. I mean, a lot of times you don't bother about uh, uh, any any problems of, of being able to carry it back to your 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 home or your premises or whatever. And uh, I think that's possibly been one of the things that have increased the amount of uh, plastic takeaway bags. I mean, I, unfortunately, I, I, I tend to be a bit of a cult, but I take the bags, I should have... I should always remember to take the my, a, a string bag or some other sort of uh, hessian bag uh, rather than uh, rely on the supermarkets to give me plastic bags. Now, I think it's a good idea of putting a charge on them, but then again, I, I think I've done all that before and it seems that it's, an, it's a no-goer. Hopefully the, uh, the, the, this, this, this wonderful uh, invention that these uh, chaps have come up with this will be a it will be a, a boon to, to 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 mankind and to humanity. I mean, when you walk along the beaches, all you see is rubbish, uh, plastic bottles of every description, all kinds of plastic sort of stuff being washed up. Yep. And of course, that's having an effect on the marine life and also the bird life too. Yep. They're consuming that, and we're in. Hey, you end up eating it. I mean, you're eating it. You're eating it in the fish that you buy and what have you. you know, the, That's right. The, 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 a lot of times, sometimes you're better going on a, a, a diet of uh, no, minimising your, your intake of food. Stuff you grow yourself. I often, I mean, I must admit, I'm a little bit cynical at times uh, when people are presenting as an organic gardener, you know, so people might get really, really worried about using you know using a potting mix bag to line a basket that I'm going to grow food in you know what what's coming out of that plastic and I think oh my gosh our environment is so contaminated you know from this the moment we step out you know from the moment we wake up and we eat off a surface that we've sprayed a chemical on to clean you know how do you know what what those long-term effects will be half the times you don't know when you I tend to use plastic bottles I don't buy bottles I don't buy bottles of water for a start never I never have never I've, I've been given them. Uh, sometimes you do enjoy that new particular brand of water, but at the end of the t- end of the day, it's H two O. It's just the same old stuff. Yep. But then again, the stuff that comes out of the tap is just as good, if not better. Yep. Exactly. In Melbourne, it is. We're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, thank yeah, you. Thanks, Bill. Wonderful news. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh- I presume, though, Colin. I mean, plastics also a very uh, material we can't do without as a society. It's it's the right thing for certain application, medical applications and industrial applications, where other materials won't do the job. It it was uh, bought in as a wonder material, mm. and some of its properties are extremely uh, wonderful. Mm. But uh, unfortunately, uh, one of its great properties is it persists. Yes, it's the uh, and so it's its very strength that yeah. is its. A very weakness in terms of its yes. interaction with us, yeah. and and so how do we manage that? And I think yes. what Peter said originally, uh, when he w- was uh, talking earlier, that don't use it where you don't need it, mm-hmm. and, and we use a lot of plastic that we don't need. That's right. We have a lot of one-use items and plastic mm-hmm. bags are the classic. So takeaway one, containers versus drinking yeah. straws, syringes and, in hospitals. You yeah. wouldn't want to reuse them, for example. <laughs> 
all of those things, uh, if, if you need to use plastic because of the mm. property, no problem with that. And mm. we're really pleased to be, uh, we think, part of the solution for mm. this, you know, mm. from a planetary point of view. But there is still a lot of plastic that we use that we don't mm. need mm. to. Mm. The Ellen MacArthur Foundation published a report um, in uh, January, so only a month or so ago, and, and that report was talking about what the strategies might be to reduce plastic and 20% of the solution, in other words, 20% of the uh, the total plastic that we're using of that 300 million tonnes is single-use plastic. Mm. Yes. Uh, so there are things that we can do mm. uh, to reduce, and then where you need it, uh, we're, yeah. we want to be you part of the feel recycling. So bad about exactly. Using it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it, you know, if you've got an option for it to be recycled, I mean, I, I was shocked when I ended up in hospital for a while, and they used these little kits every time they changed my dressing, which had a fantastic set of scissors and a fantastic set of tweezers, and they were single use only, straight into mm. the bin to be recycled, not to be sterilised and reused within mm. the system because it was cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I yeah. thought. And the sterilisation units in hospitals mm. are a classic point. Uh, we used to have the stainless steel kidney shaped yeah, bowls and right. dishes and all that some of the hospitals are, are wrestling with this very issue because uh, the the sterilization of those things costs money and it costs time and it costs uh, but a lot of the medical packs and practice packs they come mm. with all mm. the things they need for that operation mm. uh, they're all plastic yep. and and the kidney bowl and everything else and you get just get discarded and and I guess you know health, public health and all of those things is really important you know in a hospital setting mm. particularly with these super bugs and other things mm. that you hear about mm. but nonetheless we we need to think about the plastics that we use and avoid it where we can. Mm. Yep, yep. Millie, very quickly before I go to the next caller, you're leading a, a tour later in the year. I am, I hope. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm heading home, which is kind of interesting for me. I was born and raised in Western Australia. And so I'm heading off uh, at the end of September uh, for I think it's just over two weeks to do a wildflower tour of WA. And this isn't something – I haven't done this since I was about seven. So I'm super, super excited. And it's funny, you know, I had I had this conversation through the week um, with a, you know, a, a very known gardener and he said to me, you know, I just think it's absurd, this Australian plant thing. If, if, someone, if you're in France and someone said to you they were going to grow plants just from France, you'd think they were – bonkers you know it's such a silly thing why do we do it here and I said well well because we're mega diverse <laughs> and we have a huge continent full of plants in this part of Australia Western Australia is you know one of the most biodiverse places on the planet so I'm pretty excited heading to Perth um, from there we go north up to Geraldton um, go to places like Cervantes the Pinnacles which are the beautiful sandstone pillars which I remember running around like a rat bag um, it's going to be lots of memory lane for me and then back to Perth we'll head up to places you know commonplace like Kings Park and hopefully get a bit of a behind-the-scenes tour there, mm. which I'm going to make some calls about um, to, to look at some of the uh, the different projects that are going on there. And then down to the southwest, so all the way down to Albany, Pemberton to look at trees that will change your life. Mm. Um, you know, there's... You can't create landscapes like no. that. You couldn't design them. And a lot of these plants you, you don't see in gardens either, Millie. You do need you to go on tour and them. see them in the wild because they're yeah. so pernickety about how they grow or so fleeting as well. I mean, some of the little terrestrial orchids that just pop up everywhere in Kings Park in the lawn, you know, they're only you, you, they're only there for one month of the year and the rest of the year they're hiding underground. So the only way to see them is to go on a tour with Millie and, you know. and <laughs> Meet my mum, my brother probably, who's a gardener yeah. in Margaret River. We'll end up in Margaret River where, where my, my family is. So... Um, 
um, yeah, it'll be nice. I'm, I'm hoping there'll be a, a, a good mix of people. And um, look, I'm just excited to, to go to that place. I, you know, I'm, you won't be able to shut me up really about how. <laughs> we we lots of hands and anyway. And Simon gave me a good <laughs> tip. He said you. you need to bring your loop, and I, I hadn't thought about it, but um, you know, it's in my camera bag. Actually, mm. I carry a little hand lens for often for looking at fungi mm. um, or orchids. You know, hands and knees. So it'll be a bit of hands and knees, I'm mm. sure, and a, a lot of other other great trips. So yeah, it's through Travel Right Tours. If people want to jump onto the Travel Right website, they can um, they can uh, they can jump on with us. So September, I think we had such a good season this year. I'm, I know the seed the seed is in the soil. You know, for mm. the wildflowers, yep. it's um, mm. and it's a, a little bit of a, a, a gamble as to to what you're actually going to see. Yeah. On what you know, I know the wildflowers sort of move down um, with the season. They start up north, mm. yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, it should be really, really good fun. Mm. And um, come with me; it'll be really good. I want some three CR listeners to keep it, keep it lively. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you are listening to the gardening show. Uh, here we are on three CR. Um, we do have a few callers to get through, and we don't have much more time. We have to finish at nine fifteen, so. We'll try and get through most of these callers as quickly as we can. Next up, we have uh, Vic, who's in Maribyrnong. Good morning, Vic. Oh, good morning, panel. Uh, <clears throat> just a quick one uh, with uh, Millie there. She's, she's going to be a plastic rat bag. What's that? I'm also always bag. a rat bag, Vic. What? Anyway, never mind. Listen, oh, I, I see I what you're I'm, saying. I'm not, <laughs> not just a rat bag. A plastic, a plastic rat bag. <laughs> a rat plastic bag. Yeah, I see it. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I, I, I rang up to uh, try to get the answer to why do they allow all these balloons to take off every time they celebrate something? I thought that was banned, but it must not well, be banned. It's banned. Every time you see something take, uh, some big deal happen, they always use them. When my niece, when my niece was, uh, this would be twenty years ago, when my niece was about seven years old, she got it banned at her local primary school, and you well, should have heard the. Ro- but all she did was she was watching the balloons go up, and she said, "What happens to them when they come down?" And it, it created quite a bit of um, trouble in the school, and she didn't mean to, but she'd obviously been hanging band with a bunch of rat bag greenies too yeah, much as a six one. or seven year old to notice, but. Yeah, it's a yeah, good question. Well, that, that doesn't stop there. Then you've got the problem of people like Ansel that make all these degradable gloves. You get a pair of garden gloves, you use them for five minutes and they degrade. You've got to buy new ones. Yeah, they're got to buy quality. I think they're rubber, aren't they? Yeah, 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 rubber, yeah, same mm. difference, isn't it? Well, it's a, it has an equal effect. Um, yeah, um, I mean, can... it's still going to end up where you don't want it. Um, exactly, and then you've got, exactly the right. you got the problem of vinyls, you've got the problem of uh, all, the, all the foam rubbers, like in mattresses, for argument's sake, they don't want to pick up mattresses and take them to the tip. Can so, you so put Colin mattresses just... in your machine? <laughs> we can't put mattresses no, you've got, you've got uh, in, in that in problem. You've got all, all sorts of furniture that employs plastics and rubber and... Whether it's, uh... They're only going to solve one problem at a time. I think we should yeah. give them a pat on the back for this one. Colin, does rubber break down in the same way as, as plastics or break up? Or yeah, but how so does you, it degrade? You've got your, you got your um, man-made foam rubbers, so they're still, still going to be made out of oil products. So it's still coming from the same area. Yeah, we'll let Colin um, address the, the question. One of, one of the good things that um, people are doing with mattresses, for example, is taking all of the urethane foams out of them and... Uh, uh, putting in carpet underlay. You know how you, you yeah, the yeah, underlay yeah, from carpets has all of those bits together? Yep. Uh, so there are recycling opportunities. It's just that the destruction of mattresses is a particularly uh, nasty business uh, if you're doing it by hand. And there's actually a new company uh, called Innovec 
that have come up with a new technology for the recycling of mattresses. Uh, and I encourage you to have a look at their website. It's uh, IWN. In- I double N for uh, Infinelli, is it? Yep. Inovec. So uh, V O V E Q. Inovec. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they, oh, they've got a new they've got a new mattress recycling technology that yeah, they're looking they to finish off their website. Uh, dot com dot au. Dot com dot au. Press yep. it in the gurgle, it'll turn and up. A chap by the name of Philip Cook is the inventor of that technology, and uh, it's fantastic. And the Salvation Army are right behind it. There's a plant going to be. How do you spell his name? You'll find him. Uh, Philip Cook. Cook, million ways. C-O-O-K-E. C-O-O-K-E. Yeah. Okay. You can spell Cook a many, many ways. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay, Vic. We All have right. to move Thank on. You. Thank you very much. Bye. It is right, the mattress recycling by hand. I've been to a place where they do it by hand. The best thing is the collection of things they found in the mattresses, oh. from fake guns to fake money to uh, all sorts of things. That's and a different show. And a lot of, <laughs> and a lot of bed bugs. Yeah. Oh. Okay, we really have to try and get through some of these callers. We're going next to uh, Sandra, who's in Greensboro. Good morning, Sandra, if you can be quick. Good morning. I have a question about my magnolia little gem tree. Yes. So um, I planted it in a pot uh, initially, and it was in a pot for two years. And then when I moved to a larger house a year ago, I planted it in the ground. It's never flowered. And um, so about November, uh, December last year, I got a bit impatient and upset at it. So I gave it a bit of a prune, um, hoping maybe it would flower after that. But it still hasn't flowered. So I guess I'm wondering whether there's any hope left on my magnolia or whether I just get rid of it and start again. Uh, Sandra, I think you need to... Well, it's just a question of patience. Those magnolia grandiflora varieties do take a few years to start flowering and they'll really... They really like hot, long summers. You know, they're a subtropical plant. They do very well in Brisbane and Sydney. And Florida. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where where they're from. That's right. The southern states of the US. So they're a little bit marginal in Victoria. And little gems, you know, it's not such a floriferous variety. It's really one that's grown as a hedging plant almost um, so I think probably just be patient and uh, and I would advise you not to not to cut it back I reckon okay. yeah and just give it does it like just fertilizer I've been fertilizer and food yeah that's right only in the warmer months when it can use it not so much in the colder months good luck with good it good luck okay it's it's, it's like the you know it's a, like the gardenia it's the same sort it's, of deal yeah, isn't it very much some hit, most miss. <laughs> okay, let's go next to Carol, who's in Emerald. Good morning, Carol. Hi there. Um, I would really like to donate to this wonderful cause, um, and I'd like to send a cheque because I'm a, a troglodyte as far as um, using the bank. <laughs> anyway, if you could give me your name and number, I could send a cheque to your wonderful cause. Oh, that's very generous of you. Thank you. The, our, uh, the company name is New Tech Poly, N-E-W-T-E-C. P, P for Peter, O-L-Y. Yep. yep. Uh, post office box 400, Moama. 400, Moama. 2731. Pop up with Two, your plastic three, pots and see them and drop the check in. That would really <laughs> be worth. You could go to, you know, go to cactus country on the way. and go. <laughs> that, well, thank, yeah, well, thank, thank you very much. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's very bye generous bye. of you. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Carol. And... Uh, very finally, we'll go to uh, Sue, who's out in Narry Warren. Morning, Sue, and you'll have to be quick. Yeah, I just want to make a comment, seeing how you're all talking about the environment. Mine's a bit different. Um, everybody says there's no bees around, 
And we've got a new estate between me and the shop, and I drove down there all the time, and I drove from the granddaughters. All these new estates, I don't know what, nobody has any flowers in their garden anymore. No wonder we've got no bees in our <laughs> environment. It's true. Get so, planting. Go on, start yeah. middle of the night. Just get a tray of rosemary tubes. Start with those. Start a They'll tree. live. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, They'll I flower. Go, I go salvias and mine sell seeds, so maybe I'll just scatter some seeds as I go for a walk one day or something. Yes. <laughs> Good on you, Sue. Okay, bye. Bye. Just like to make a, a quick comment that bees are a bit of an in, uh, an indicator of environmental health, like frogs as well, and they're they're quite sensitive to many things, mm. and and so the lack of bees uh, is partly about the lack of uh, you know, opportunities with flowers, but it's also uh, partly to do with the fact that. Uh, uh, the environment isn't in such a good health and exactly. the, the, the lack of numbers is part of the reflection yep. of that. Yep. We have run out of time for uh, this morning. It's been a very uh, lively discussion. Um, a big thank you to uh, to Peter and Colin for coming in this morning. Before we go, can you just please give out the essential um, details of how to get in touch with the company, how to go onto the website to look at the campaign, etc.? The key word in all of this is New Tech Poly, N-E-W-T-E-C-P-O-L-Y. Um, our website is newtechpoly.com.au. All of our contact details are on there and there's links to the campaign, etc. So it's probably the easiest way. But uh, I'd also like to uh, take the opportunity to thank you, Pam, for the for uh, the opportunity to, to meet and, and talk about it um, and apologise to all of the listeners uh, about hijacking the show. <laughs> <laughs> we never know at the start of the program which way it's going to go. Our listeners take us there and they were obviously really interested to hear mm. about it. So well done and keep up the good work. It's fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay, a big thank you to all the panel. Um, also to Jan who's been doing all the, uh, the phone work along with Liz on the outside line. Um, We will, of course, be back at 7.30 next week. So until then, bye for now. 